Welcome everybody to the Resistance Broadcast. It's TRB Live! And I'm not going to say we're live, baby, or back, baby, because my daughter's been waking up a lot. And I didn't want to wake her up. So my apologies. You'll have to wait till next time. But you can't do it every time anyway, right? So uh, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Resistance Broadcast. I'm John. With me, as always, is James and Lacey. And we are here to talk about the latest in Star Wars news, uh, official comments uh, that we can talk about, uh, among other things. And we're also going to talk about the gallery, the Mandalorian Season 3 gallery. I assume we all did our homework. We all watched it, right? Yes, I did. I watched it yesterday. Yes. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, we'll get to it, but very cool to uh, see Phil Tippett and that he was involved. Uh, but we'll get into our favorite parts of that in a bit. Um, now, we're sure a lot of people are seeing Indiana Jones tonight. Uh, but if you are joining us live, first of all, thank you very, very much. Uh, the podcast will also be appearing on the podcast apps tomorrow morning, a.k.a. Friday. And, With Indiana uh, Jones? If, mm -hmm. Yeah, so if you're if you're listening to this, you already know that. Uh, but if you are joining us live, we have uh, Super Chats available if you would like your comments featured on the show and us to react to that comment. Otherwise, enjoy the live chat. Have a good time because uh, we have some fun stuff to talk about. Uh, but speaking of Indiana Jones, uh, James and I have our spoiler review, which will be uh, for Dial of Destiny, which will be hitting the channel and podcast apps also tomorrow so a lot of trb these past few days uh at 1 p.m ish as long as uh i'm able to get around to it but i'm aiming for 1 p.m east to get that out on audio and on the channel and of course if you need more trb content sign up for our patreon for access to a lot of great additional episodes and content including tonight after trb live we're heading right to patreon right in the private area of the resistance base where you need a certain key card to get in uh aka just being a patron and we're doing our live q a and uh you can ask us anything it doesn't have to be about star wars we've had some crazy stories to tell over the past few years doing these q a's it's all good fun and we have a lot of awesome stuff over on our patreon so if you're interested patreon.com slash resistance broadcast five bucks to sign up to start and we have a bunch of different tiers and stuff like that um before we get into anything I don't know if you guys saw, Liam Neeson is back, uh, but he's not back in Star Wars. He is making another one of those movies where he like does something bad and then he has to like figure out how to. I know not, where this is going. Go ahead. Not mess up what he did to his family. Mm -hmm. So he has to drive a car really fast so it doesn't explode, which sounds like the movie Speed. But this one's called Retribution. And I thought that the movie should be called Qui-Gon in 60 Seconds. John, you're on fire today. Oh, thanks, Gallery. Appreciate that. Not Disney Your daughter's gallery. sleeping. My peanut gallery in the back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she probably woke up and laughed at that joke, if I know yeah. her well. Um, she did not. Lacey, what do you think about that joke? Good? John, I already got this lowdown on Twitter last night, so well, <laughs> you didn't have to actually have do it. There you have it, folks. People <laughs> tagged me in it, so I oh. knew it was coming. Oh, okay. Well, what are you going to do? Uh, <laughs> I know James liked it, so that's, you know, 50-50. All there right, here we go. Uh, <laughs> we have a lot to <laughs> talk about, so let's get after it right now with our segment, The Resistance Report. <laughs> It's the resistance. 
right. Lots of news to talk about this week, including one particular story that is sort of the uh, title story that we're talking about tonight, which is Kathleen Kennedy explaining uh, to Games Radar and Total Film about the purpose and choice of moving forward with with Ray as a character, as well as the uh, story purposes of going back 25,000 years in James Mangold's story and how the two are sort of connected, which is an interesting um, kind of explanation of, of where we were, where we're going, all that stuff, and, and how uh, Lucasfilm is moving forward in their storytelling um, for not just to cover like A, B, and C, but like saying like, no, we're moving forward with this thing, and here are all of the elements. This is the future of the Force. We're going to explain more about it. Um, and it, I think it opens up many doors to say, you know, are they going to, are we going to write that? Are we going to get maybe some, some things with George Lucas, the way he sort of saw it, you know, it's, it's all interesting. Um, but I'm going to start with John on this one. What are your thoughts on what she had to say and how all of these stories are connected? Um, I like hearing this because I think that vast level of connectivity is cool. Um, especially if it's, you know, not one of those things where it's like, a retcon or let's twist this up to fit in here like we see a lot of times when they tell stories to wedge into certain gaps of the original trilogy they're making these movies uh you know virtually at the same time as as far as development goes so they can all be on the same page which is a lesson for learned from as we talk about the sequel trilogy of that passing the baton and changing the stories a bit um, but I think one of the things I found most interesting that I think flies under the quote radar here is that Kathleen Kennedy said, because um, when I first read it, I took it as this was something George and I talked about when uh, the merger happened. But no, she she said, this is something that George talked about when he brought me into Lucasfilm. So this was a long time ago. George was toying with the idea of exploring the origins of the force, which means no Jedi it's actually people discovering this magical mystical thing and trying to figure out what it is and just all those things i've heard about mangold saying he wants to make his 10 commandments and stuff and you know off the heels of seeing a great job in my opinion that he did with uh shooting indiana jones and how that movie turned out i'm very excited for that and now knowing that what that movie's about will be involved with ray's understanding of the force and her attempt to rebuild the Jedi Order, I think is um, very thought provoking, very interesting. The only thing that twists me up a bit is if that movie, which takes place, you know, on page one of the story of Star Wars, because it's the earliest back, farthest back we're going. Right. I believe, as far as we understand it anyway, that the Ray movie is coming first. So we're going to get, we're going to have to sort of use mangold's movie after the fact to apply to the ray movie in a weird way if that's how they're going to work out the schedule but i still think that's the case i think that ray movie is coming first so we'll be able to maybe get hints of what we're going to get in that mangold movie by how the force is thought about in the new ray skywalker movie which will bring on pretty cool speculation so i i find this to be all very interesting i hope both movies you know go through and are both made because we know that's an issue sometimes and we're going to talk about that. We're actually doing the State of Star Wars Summer Edition on Monday. So we'll talk about that uh, at length. But I kind of uh, dig this. So I'm curious to see what you guys think about it. 
Yeah, Lacey, do you have any particular thoughts on how these movies are connected? Or do you think that's a good idea? Do you think that they're doing the Ray movie first, like John was alluding to? Or do you think that this actually points to telling us the origin and then taking the next step and showing us how Ray's accepting that origin? I think we're definitely getting the Ray movie first. I, I think we talked about Mangold's comments last week. And he right, basically that he said might it's not impossible even be on. to say where yeah. he is. So it's like... Okay, you're talking about Swamp Thing and all these other things. So that means those are coming first in your life than this. My my thoughts about Kathleen Kennedy's comments lately are like they're all over the place. And like this is another example of like they're all over the place. I know um, people saw her at the Indiana Jones premiere in the UK with the director and Daisy Ridley like chatting it up on a balcony, which is surprising mm. that. Daisy was there, but I'm assuming it's like, hey, it's convenient. They're all there at the same time to talk about things, which is great. But I don't know. My my thought on this is that I don't know how these movies are going to connect together. And it's not my place to say, but hearing her talk about it, how it's like such a definitive thing that like, yeah, they're going to connect. How? how? <laughs> like, how is Ray going to go from everything that's happened to her and everything that's happened in the saga to then be like, yeah, I'm going to go back to that thing that happened before any of this even existed. Like I'm going to connect there. So I guess like, that's where my question is, is like, how are you connecting it outside of just being like, this is the force unless she goes on a journey of like learning more about it. And then that's how it connects. Um, which is interesting to me because it does follow the kind of pattern we'd seen with franchises where, they make a certain movie and then they'll go back to like the prequel is the next step. So like we're seeing it with Hunger Games right now, like they made Hunger Games and they were super successful. So they went back into prequel so that they wouldn't have to tell the story after Katniss. They tell it before Katniss even existed. And that happens a lot uh, in franchises. They did it with Harry Potter as well. They did so, it with Star Wars. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I see that as like George always had the story. It wasn't like, oh, let's consider what this. Right. Anyway. But I think the thing that's confusing me about her comments is like Ray has made a promise to Luke. I don't remember her making a promise to Luke. Am I going crazy? Uh, Did she make a promise? I thought he was just like, hey, you got to do this thing. And she was like, you're right, I do. But like there wasn't she, like, a, I promise to do this. Luke. She said that Kylo let him down and she won't let him down. Oh, is that the promise? That's what I'm assuming oh, is that like good, if, good if you if you teach me. The reason you're not teaching me is because you tried to teach him and he d didn't finish and he, you know, left or whatever. But I won't do that. That I'm not him. That's the only that's yeah. the only thing I could think that would be I like, mean, that's a good point. Like, I didn't consider that because I immediately went to the Rise of Skywalker when they have that, like, kind of conversation. I was like, I don't did I not see the same movie as Kathleen Kennedy? I was like, <laughs> what promise did Ray it was make? it was the third lesson, <laughs> <laughs> right? <I remember. laughs> But if you're saying it that way, then like, yeah, sure, I guess that translates. But even then, it's like, I didn't take that as like, I don't know, that's a weird, like, it works, but it kind of doesn't work. It was kind of like her kind of saying like, hey, train me, but then he didn't. So like the promise wasn't really fulfilled on his part. So how could she? It's weird. So this is why I go back to like, kind of these comments from Kathleen Kennedy are like all over the place. <laughs> yeah. It's like, one week we're getting one thing and the next week it's like, oh, it's all interconnected and it totally makes sense. And I'm like, I feel like you're pulling a George Lucas and just saying these things after the fact. 
<laughs> that because it makes which sense. He, yeah, he famously has done. Has changed his mind, which I'm totally cool with people changing their mind about anything. Like, hey, if you if you feel differently about something, it's fine. But I feel like she, on a regular basis, will say things like so definitively that she's like, I've always said this. And you're like, no, no, you have not. Yeah, no, you yeah. <laughs> so. Delete the pages. I, so that's the one comment that like I really got hung up on. I was like, what promise did she make? Like, did I? <laughs> All I really got from those movies is that she was mad at Luke and then Luke was like, hey, just don't be so hard on yourself. And she was like, you're right, Luke. And then they're like, that was it. And then she was like, hey, I'm going to take your name. So I didn't know if there was like name related. I didn't. What if <laughs> if he really wants to do this whole Ten Commandments thing? What if instead of like, you know, stone tablets or whatever, like what if we see somebody on clean pages writing the ancient Jedi texts in that movie? Well, yeah, so I, that's what I was sort of saying can before. Can like, survive 25,000 years? Maybe in well, Star Wars they can. Yes, and the other part of this that I was really concerned about, and I don't mean to put James on the spot because that's not my intention, but when we mm-hmm. had the Ray conversation a couple weeks ago, James was talking about how like he hopes Ray is a full Jedi and like does her thing, and like we get to see how the Jedi are supposed to be, and then I'm like, I don't think that's, that's how that's supposed to be. Like I think Ray should have a family, all these things. Now these comments, I think part of this too was me being like, are they really going to make her like, a solo jedi like sad person again like no way no like what are we doing here because that's what i kind of got from those things like oh she made a promise to luke and she's gonna follow through and be like the jedi for luke and i'm like have we learned nothing we learned nothing from the jedi we're really gonna default back to like and that's what i gathered from these comments i might be totally reading it wrong and i do it Mm. all the time but i immediately thought of that and i was like no I I think that the way they're doing it, if they if they do the Ray story first and then they go back and tell the origins, I think that's fine because they're going to usher in um, sort of her new way of doing things that mm-hmm. we're maybe unfamiliar with as far as like what we've seen from one two three four five six seven eight nine right, um, and then sort of go back and tell us like how like what she's doing makes sense like they're doubling down on that thing the only part that doesn't really connect to me because that that system does make sense to me she says she's got these books you know yoda says she's got everything she needs so she's got the books. she's gonna go through that stuff and she's gonna try to deep dive the jedi in the ways that luke did whereas i think luke looked at a lot of their faults and said this has to end i think she'll probably to, to your point is she'll probably look at it and say, well, these are the things that need to change. Um, but when you go back and say like, how did they get there? I think there is that little bit of discrepancy that Mangold has talked about where it's like, this is the origins of the force, not necessarily the origins of the Jedi. Right. So that doesn't necessarily match with Kathleen, what Kathleen is saying. But I do think that, if they say make that movie, I think Star Wars, I mean, anything like this, like they did it with Solo, they, they're going to do it with just about anything. If it's a hit, they want to keep telling those stories. So they go back, they tell the origins of the force. If it is what it is, it is what it is, right? They're going to just leave it at that movie. But if it's a big hit, people want to see more of it. They'll tell more and they'll tell more. And that'll slowly lead into maybe the origins of the Jedi, you know, and like, how is that? How is this sort of branch breaking off from what they know about the force and how they believe that the force is supposed to be handled this way, which in turn would lead to other groups of people being like, no, the force is supposed to be handled this way. That's that which is, is 
the origins of of Sith or other religions because there's more than just Jedi and Sith. There's all sorts of stuff in the Star yeah. Wars world. We learned a lot of that from Rogue One because they go to Jeddah and like. Well, maybe that's what the they're going to introduce. Is they're going like to introduce all these different yeah Force person. Yeah. In, well, in Daisy's movie, and then that's what they're going to go back to explain is like, hey, it's not just Jedi and Sith. It's actually this, this, and this as well, because Rey has discovered that's the case. But it is, I have to say, a little side note, it is interesting that every time we have these conversations about anything in Star Wars, really, hearing what each one of us thinks about certain quotes and meanings and, and what's behind that, because James, you just said that you think The Last Jedi, when Yoda says she has everything she needs... I did not take it as she has everything she needs. The books are in her bag. I took it as she has everything she needs as a person and who she is. She'll figure it out on her own. Yeah, that's. And a, I'm not saying you're right. And I'm not saying I'm mm -hmm. right. I'm just saying it's interesting every time we have these conversations that I hear the way each one of us and any fan really breaks down quotes and meanings and stuff because I'm like, oh, I never even considered that, but you're not wrong. I think I think most people took it the way you took it, and I'm pulling from what I see on Twitter when sure. people are like, look at this little connection. Oh. You know, you have everything <laughs> well, you need. She's, I, and they show that she pushes the drawer and it's got she went the books. To Staples and it's like, and got I, her I, see how her. genius Ryan Johnson is and stuff? And it's like, I'll say this okay. about Yoda. I, I don't think he would burn the tree if the books were in them. I don't think Yoda is like... I don't think he's like blasphemous like that. So I think he did know that she took them. Um, but he also said, you know, they weren't page turners. They weren't like very good. So <laughs> that's Yoda saying that. And he's probably read them a few times over the course of a thousand years. Uh, but the thing that inter introduced and knows the things that think, they did that were yeah. against what the book said, probably he's How wise got, to that. Yeah, too. The, the book says this, but we're not doing that. The game of telephone, you know, you, you, you say one thing and pass it down to a row of 10 people. You're going to get a different sentence. Make that 25,000 years over something that people don't fully understand. There's going to be misinterpretations. So that's what, that's what excites me most about Mangold's thing is we're going to get the purest version of what the force is because there is no, this is how it is. This is how it is. Someone is going to experience that for the force first. And we're going to like see it in all of its natural undogmatically changed ways. And I'm very curious to see what that is. Cause we talk about the force all the time. We make jokes about how Lucas made it into this sort of scientific thing. I think they've sort of tried to go away from that a little bit. But mm -hmm. Kathleen Kennedy at the same time said this was something George Lucas was talking about doing. So maybe that is a part of it. Maybe this is going to be a life form thing that we see. I don't know. I'm very, very interested to see the like that the fresh like introduction to the natural force without these, you know, political groups, Jedi, Sith, you know, even the governments, the Senate and stuff, how they think about it, how they feel about it, the stigmas about it and all that stuff and seeing people like wielding it and not knowing what to do. And also that, we're not getting lightsabers in this mo for that movie or anything like that. So we'll see like this organic way of how the force is received and interpreted. And then we'll see how that is hopefully re restored with lightsabers and what Ray has in the future. Very interesting. Do you think people yeah. are going to have problems with him determining that and it not being George? Uh, people who don't like Dial Destiny, sure. Um, but people who <laughs> no, but I I'm saying I think... in general, like I feel we're at a point, and I don't think it's just now. I think it's been for a while that Star Wars fans kind of think like, you know, I don't agree with this thing, but it's George's story. It's George's. He came up with it. Blah blah blah. Do you think that fans are going to react 
positively to someone saying this is the early beginning origins to a story that isn't mine segments of fans which yes right which i think james mangold spoke about that recently because he felt the pressure of hey if i took on the story after episode nine i would feel the pressure of hey this is not my story i'm just building on this thing but there's also that other side of the coin of hey now you're starting super early so you're determining all those things that have been told are based on what your story is yeah i i think the feloni factor is huge even for the the, uh, the dissenting fans i think he still holds weight in terms of like he still talks to george lucas he's the closest embodiment of his teachings uh which is very much like a jedi and a master and uh, apprentice so i think feloni as a now a creative executive and he's also now involved with the movies i think he'll be a big part of like you know mangled and whoever winds up being the screenwriter whether it's mangled and other people consulting with someone like a dave feloni and these other minds, Leland Chi and all these uh, people who have been around and worked for George Lucas. So I think that will help. Uh, beyond that, if people still have a problem, like just, just whatever. I man. just, I, I, I don't know. I guess it's PTSD. I just see it already going to be like yeah, that. It's always going to come up. Like you can I make mean, a yeah. movie and people are going to be like, oh man, it's not Empire, you know? <laughs> There's mm-hmm. always people that are like, the the only Star Wars movie that exists is is Star Wars. I don't even call it a New Hope. It's just Star Wars because that's what it was. You know, and then then you've got people that are like, there's four, five, and six, and then there's people that are like four, five, and six, one, two, and three. You know, it's like you're all gonna have you're always gonna have certain segments of of fans that have their definition of what is like true canon to them. I mean, even to the extent of things that weren't created by George were created by other creators now, like people that saying Disney canon is not canon because Legends was more canon. And it's like that stuff wasn't created by George either. No. So, you know, it's all sorts of different variations of that. What I do think is interesting, though, is that George said in that uh, public interview with James Cameron, his sort of concept for seven, eight, nine, and Disney ultimately didn't use it. He was very open about that, talking about what the force really was and the metaphysical and all that. And it's interesting now that we have another opportunity for another director to, instead of adapting that as seven, eight, nine, adapt that as something else now he could again create his own thing and that would be cool and he has every right to do that similar to what we've talked about jj abrams and all sorts of things they want to create their own intellectual property and their own story instead of just stealing what george had in mind but there is also the 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 possibility that that someone like james mangold would say how can i do both or you know or or ultimately like i will take his concept and write my own characters and write my own story around that idea. I'll say this right right now. Like if James James Mangold is a well-revered filmmaker, I was very hyped when they announced him at Celebration. If he has, he, I I think Star Wars should be lucky that someone like James Mangold with all the, like Lacey was saying about how fans are and how we've heard about directors like Chris McQuarrie, like saying more or less, uh, why would I want to get involved with that? I'm over here. He said that to me making billions of dollars. (laughs) Like, and then he had deleted it. He did delete it. (laughs) We have, we have James Mangold, one of the best directors around right now saying, yeah, I do want to do this. And I think that's something to be proud about as Star Wars fans. Like this guy wants, and he's come back because there's been other projects that he's 
talked about. Right, the Boba Fett or whatever, which would have uh, him doing a Boba Fett movie would have been would have been killer. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, he talked him, about that in the the Horowitz interview. Yeah, talked he, about how it was like borderline rated R and how he just didn't think that Lucasfilm was, was going to go Morrison for it. Wanted to do, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he, him having the confidence and willing to end Indiana Jones with Harrison Ford makes me believe in his confidence to go back and tell a, a Star Wars story that takes place, you know, way back when. So mm-hmm. I, I'm very excited uh, about everything that's going on with Mangold being a part of this because we keep saying like, who's this director? Even the one uh, Charmino Bay Chinoy. I didn't, I've never heard of her before and she's doing the next Ray movie. Like I heard her from Miss Marvel, but I don't know her work. Yeah, and I'm rooting for her to knock it out because she has, you know, has won awards doing documentaries, but she's never done a feature film. So I hope she kills it. I hope she crushes it. But it's also nice to see an established big time director being like, Yes, I want also want to work on Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, just to wrap up the story, I think like I think that this could theoretically be connected. I mean, we don't necessarily even know that the books that she took were like, this is how to be a Jedi. They could be books on like, here's everything we know about the force. And those books could have been written, um, you know, in Mangold's story, you know, about what they've learned from this new uh, entity that they've discovered. Uh, So you could have that just be a direct correlation where she says, well, I'm going to call myself a Jedi, but I'm going to read these books, see what they're all about. Maybe there's some things in here that we can move forward with. And then we get to like understand that because we go back, see how they got to that point and how they discovered what that is. And that gives us even more confidence in being like, oh, I want to see more of Ray's story because now that I see how it was all discovered and how she's moving forward with it. This is cool. And it's definitely different from the Jedi, even though she's going to call it the Jedi order, I imagine because they got to keep mm-hmm. that name around. Well, um, they keep calling it the new Jedi order. Like every right, single yeah. person that said it. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's it for that story. We're going to move on to the next one here, but I do want to check in real quick. Do we have any super chats by chance? We do. So thank you to Matt Lawless. Thanks so much for the super chat. He said, Hey, okay. TRB, if the Mandoverse is complete with Filoni's movie, what do you think Filoni works on after new series maybe, but in what era second movie? So this is actually good because we're going to get into this Mando season three next as the story in resistance report. But I'm going to start with you, John. John, do you think what happens after the Mandoverse completes? I, so I think, um, I don't know that like something, which like is a- years from now, by the way, he said it yeah. was like six, seven so- years out. It really depends on if something like the Ghost Crew and Ahsoka story ends with the Mandoverse, because if not, he can tell more stories with them and then he'd want to stay and do that. But being that he's taking on a movie, um, I think he'd stay in that realm. And also being that he's now a creative executive, he probably is, he has a lot more responsibilities in terms of overseeing story decisions. And like we were like I was just saying, like how, you know, the force is interpret, interpreted and stuff. So he's mm-hmm. going to ha- now have sort of a like uh, the pod race announcers, two heads where he's got his one day Floney head where he's like handling sort of the lore and how we do this stuff in terms of making the stories. And then he's going to be still creating stuff. So I'd like to think that he, if his movie is as a success, that Mando verse movie, people love it and makes money. He'll stay right there and, and, and make another movie in some capacity. Mm-hmm. James. Yeah. I think it's kind of tricky because I, I, I want, Star Wars to be able to be told by multiple directors. And I know like say JJ Abrams did two movies, you know, or whatever, but 
it is, I don't want it to be like, well, Filoni's sticking around with Lucasfilm forever and he's elevated to the level where he does movies. So all he does now is movies. So it's like every five years we get another Filoni movie. That feels a little strange for me. And I think you're right. He's got to do the two head thing. My, my initial thought on this is if Mando and all that he's created there ends, I think he just goes somewhere else. He's like, we're going to tell a story in James Mangold's world, you know, right. and it's a new yeah. television show or uh, that could lead up to another movie or something. But like as someone who can be on set as a director, as uh, technically an actor, as a producer, mm -hmm. as a writer, you know, all of this, um, he's wearing many hats, pun intended. And uh, I think or that, not a pair of galleries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, um, I think that to say that he's just always going to be a director is a little short sighted on his career. I think he has so much more to produce and I don't see this going that direction, but he also could at some point be like, I'm done with star Wars. I've done everything I can with star Wars, even to the point where I've directed movies. Now I could, I could lead, other franchises i could create my own worlds and things i i don't I'm, I'm just saying like the guy's young and he's already in the position now where he's so creative over multiple things animation live action uh film you know it's like actual in theater movies it's like i don't know at what point the guy says i want to do something else that isn't star wars because my career could be even bigger than this right but who knows yeah I, it's tricky because He's one of those people that you never want to see leave Lucasfilm like Doug Chang. Right. Right. You know, you're yeah. like, he's so important to everything that's happening there. And like, he's the one that's kind of keeping the legacy strong with what George had wanted. And he brings it up all the time. Like, oh, George would want this. Um, we'll get to it in a second with the gallery thing. But uh, I honestly don't know what's going to come after that. I think it. you guys made some good points, John. You're totally right. I think Ghost Crew kind of determined like, is that story done or is he going to keep going with something else? But I think he's going to be at Lucasfilm for a while. Yeah, me too. Um, but yeah, that's all we got for now. Thanks, Matt. Well, cool. Um, well, let's go ahead and talk about the Disney gallery Mandalorian season wow. three episode. Um, now with they, they, for season one, they dropped multiple episodes for season two, they dropped one and they let, did everything except for like the stuff we wanted to see at the end of the season. And they saved that for later, dropped another episode to me. It looks like they just did one and done for this season. This was Mandalorian season three's gallery behind the scenes. This is a look at our season, uh, with, uh, the directors with uh, some of the uh, stunt coordinators with the actors. Um, and uh, you know, it was, it was what it was. I, I saw you guys kind of talking back and forth about some people kind of panning this and we all seemed to watch it if I'm not mistaken and thought, yeah, that was fine. Well, you know, what was the big deal with that? Uh, but mm -hmm. I'll start with you, Lacey on this one. What were your thoughts on the third well, the th I don't want to say the third gallery, but like the third season of gallery for Mandalorian for Mando. Yeah, because they had a book of Boba Fett one, right? They did. Oh, yeah, that's true. And then they had and that was one and done as well. Yeah. And then season two of Mando, they had two separate gallery parts because they had the gallery and then they had the Luke Skywalker one that they were saving. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought this one was good. I, I had fun watching it. It was one of those ones that I left smiling. Like it was an enjoyable hour of my time. 
Um, I know John had mentioned that he had seen some people online kind of being like, eh, I don't know how I feel about it or like it wasn't that great. Um, and people have their critiques about it. I think it's different than it was probably season one of Mando. It's like the whole format has changed. Um, and I'm going to be completely honest. <laughs> this is going to sound absolutely terrible, but it's true. Um, I left it being like, wow, that was really great. I really enjoyed it. And John was like, is it weird that Pedro's not in it? And I was like, and I had a moment where I literally was like, <laughs> oh my God, he's not in it. And I didn't even notice, guys. I didn't even notice he wasn't in it. And I know how bad that sounds, but it was so, it was so true. Uh, I didn't notice that he wasn't in it just because, you know, it's so quick paced. They're cutting between sound bites and you're listening to what the people are saying. And there's so many good quotes mm -hmm. throughout the whole uh, gallery. But yeah. I was like genuinely shocked with myself that I didn't realize. And I was like, oh my God, you're totally right. And that is weird. I will say that is weird. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, that he's I, not in it. I at don't all. think it's that weird. Oh. <laughs> we'll get in. Well, because in Mando season yeah. one, there was some spots where he was on camera. Obviously, when he takes the helmet off at the end and IG 11 right. helps him with the Bacta and stuff. But generally speaking, that was a voiceover thing. And they had been honest about that. That he wasn't in as much as they'd like him to be, maybe season. I don't two. think they were as honest as they should have been, probably because I and think that's fair. They have built something up where a lot of people are really under the assumption that he's the guy who's always there, he's the lead, and they're surprised that he's not taking off the helmet more. And and I think we've been sort of under the impression that we we've known that for a while now they're being a mm -hmm. little bit more honest about it now and i think they're trying to back that down from being like and your lead the mandalorian you know this big thing I to usher him out still they showed him doing the voice, voiceovers basically. i know but they still showed him behind the scenes doing the voiceovers like him holding the pillow and like yeah. talking yeah. about and the process that's fair, and that's fair. Yeah. so I feel like it's weird in that sense because they could have. I just think they're trying filmed. to dial it back. Yeah. And I get that. And and I appreciate them taking the time to like really spotlight the stunt performers this time, which I had said weeks ago. Like, I really hope they give them that yep. moment. That was, cool. um, that was really cool. I loved how they focused a lot on the creature performers and the droid people that like built all the droids and they had the droid bar. But I mean, I guess I could have, like, I could have taken out the Lizzo Jack Black segment and put in Pedro and I probably would have enjoyed it more not because I don't think Lizzo and Jack Black are great because I like both of them equally but I think it's weird to have all this behind the scenes footage of Jack Black and then have none of Pedro who is the Mandalorian and I enjoyed those segments but it's just weird to me that you're gonna have or like Bryce Dallas Howard is in it a bunch and I love her. I love everything she says. I love her enthusiasm. I love everything she adds to the show. But she only did one episode. And they had her talking about the entire season the whole time. Right. But then nothing from the guy that's playing the character. So, again, complete honesty. I didn't notice. And I enjoyed it. And I would watch it again. I did. Um, but it is weird that he's not in it. <laughs> but I did enjoy um, probably the most outside of obviously the Anzellans, which were perfect and like Grogu puppets and stuff like that, which is my favorite part. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the quotes from John, Dave and Rick. I think the three of them just get it. You know, they're so passionate about this project. They understand these characters, but they also are willing to be vulnerable about that the characters aren't a hundred percent figured out. 
Like they're openly telling you, hey, we didn't know where it was going to end up, but we learned along the way that, hey, this is actually where we want to go. And they Mm -hmm. did give a shout out to the guy Noah that does some of the writing as well, which was interesting because you've never Mm -hmm. really seen him, but then you saw him in this behind the scenes footage. But to me, that was my favorite part is hearing them be open and honest about the process that it's not set in stone. It is constantly changing. It is something that we're learning along the way of what we want to tell. Because I think, honestly, critics and fans alike have been, especially with this past season, really critical of where the story has gone and really critical of like the characters. But John Favreau says in this hour episode, very clearly, hey, in a movie, you have to have that payoff by the third act. In TV, you can have that payoff years down the line and it will be worth it and it's Mm -hmm. gratifying. So to me, when people are like, why didn't this happen? Where is this going? Why didn't they answer this question? You have Jon Favreau straight up telling you like, it's not coming for a couple of years. Like, pause, pump the brakes. It happens in the season too, when we're like, episode three sucked because they didn't resolve what happened in two yet. And it's like, (laughs) we're not even through the season. Right, Right. but I, I did like how they said that, you know, the whole Bo-Katan thing, like, that was something that happened organically, but then they realized, hey, we have more story to tell here. So then Katie got more time. Or like the Axe Wove stuff where they're like, we were going to get rid of him, but we really liked him and we liked that character. So we kept him. I'm totally cool with the story changing and I don't think it has to be a set in stone thing. And I think people have to be more open to enjoying the ride instead of being so focused on the payoff and gratification of like what's coming at the end. Yeah, or what um, they thought was coming at the end. Right. Or assuming or expectations. Um, I did like Dave Filoni. Uh, first of all, he didn't wear his hat. Did notice that. Um, he's not been wearing his hat lately. I think he's moved on from the hat. I think he's like, I'm past the hat. Um, it's corporate also, n- not even that. They all had That's amazing. St- they all had amazing sweatshirts on during this gallery series. Like I wanted all of their sweatshirts. Mm. John Favreau had this like maroon kind of like bounty hunter one on and then one of them had um, I believe it was the guy that did the droid builds. He had one from Boba Fett and they all had very similar hoodies. Like you could tell they're all like and I was like, can I just have all the hoodies? Yeah. They don't like buy fan hoodies or, or merch. No, they those like are crew. Have their ideas crew. and they like make their own merch. And it's yeah. like, that's yeah. what I was so cool jealous. There's like. If you go like back, like a yellow McSolo two happen hoodie, you know. Just yeah, there's like, a clip of the three of them talking with the droid guy, and they all have these amazing hoodies on, and you're like, ah. Um, but anyway, what was I saying? Oh yeah, so Dave Filoni was just the way he talked about it being hopeful, per usual. I really appreciated, but the thing that made me think, which I often often as a fan push back on, is he said, you know, there are moments when Star Wars can be funny, and and happy and joyful but then there are times that it's okay for it to be dark and serious and i was just like okay you got me dave because i'm the first person to criticize like why is it so serious and he's like because at the end you're gonna get picked back up again and i was just like okay you got me dave so i think i have to be more willing to understand (laughs) that sometimes the story does get dark but it's because you want the payoff at the end that it's going to be um happy and with the ending of Mando kind of sitting at the house and like, what comes next? They did that on purpose. And I like that they brought that up and mentioned it, that they were yeah. like, just because this adventure is ending doesn't mean that's it. It's right. just we needed this story to end here. 
Yeah, or it's not the beginning of the next adventure. I I definitely liked um well, it's not that I liked, but I noticed that at one point Rick says that in a lot of ways the title more so applies to Bo-Katan in this particular season. And that's sort of like a fan speculated thing that we've come up with where it's like, Oh, who is the Mandalorian? Who is it referring to? What if this whole time it's been about Bo and all this other stuff. And I think that proves to me that the creators see it as a, a, the perfect title because it can mean whatever they want it to mean for that particular season. And to me, hearing Rick say that and the way that this was sort of showcased with Pedro not being in it and seeing a lot of Katie Sackoff giving her point of view on the season makes it seem like they thought of this season as her season. Now, that doesn't necessarily say what season four is going to be about. And I think that truthfully, honestly, it, it will always have him being a part of it. Um, sort of, I think we've, I've, or at least I've compared it to Ezra where like that third season was really about Sabine and Ezra took a back seat, but Mm -hmm. the show didn't become about Sabine. It's always been about Ezra, but in order to flesh out those characters, you have to have seasons where it can't just be Ezra always having issues. Um, he has to sometimes say that Katie was the Mandalorian this season. No, he does say that. Well, he's yeah, he says in a lot of ways you could see it that way. I don't think he like straight up confirms that, you know, that's exactly. But but what I'm saying is I think that confirms for me that that's probably how they saw it or they wanted to loosely take it in that direction, which sort Mm -hmm. of proves a fan theory of like that name doesn't always necessarily mean Din Djarin. It can mean whatever they want it to mean in this season. Right. Um, and so I, I, I thought that was interesting. And I think that is sort of on display here with no Pedro and Katie Sackhoff being what, you know, they've got her centered, you know, in the seat. Like, this is your season. Talk about it. Um, I don't know, John, what, what, what were your takeaways from all of this? I, I, it was definitely bizarre that Pedro wasn't in it at all. Um, I still like, can't believe I didn't notice. I feel like such a bad fan. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's telling in itself, though, too. Um, but, and, but in terms of like, like you couldn't have like done a, an interview with him while he's filming another show for a few minutes just to say like anything that was it. I, it'd be like, he, Mm -hmm. I mean, he is the star of the show, even though there's narrative shifts and stuff, he's still the star of the show. It'd be like doing a behind the scenes of the Sopranos and like James Gandolfini's not in it, but a guy who plays a, you know, a, a deli owner, uh, is interviewed about his scenes. It's just like it's it is strange. But at the same time, we could not get any of these things. So the things that we did get, I I enjoyed. And mm-hmm. my takeaways, uh, Giancarlo Esposito um, being very direct about how he wants his character to be portrayed. He's like he was almost like directing his scene when he's talking mm-hmm. with the Shadow Council. And he's like, oh, let's do it this way. If I turn this way, let's do it like that. And I'm like, oh wow, he's like he's actively yeah, directing while himself while acting. I thought that was very cool because you it shows how much he's vested and interested. He's not just like, where's my mark? <sighs> All right. So uh, you know. Yeah, what do you want me to do? And I'll do it. It's yeah, more just, like yeah, exactly. Yeah. he was able so, to say, like, this is what I see. Do you right. agree? And they're like, Yeah. 
Exactly. I was looking for mustaches that. with him after James made that comment about clones and mustaches. I was looking at all I mean, the clips being I like, I pulled that from the internet. I was I, like, I wasn't me is he wearing that. a, is he have, he has a mustache. He doesn't have a mustache there. He's doing the interview without a mustache. I was literally looking guys. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't, I obviously didn't love the, how much time they spent with Lizzo and Jack Black. And although, I mean, it's funny seeing Jack Black. Do well, they admitted thing. why they did it. Social media. They literally admitted in the show. No, right. But I mean, yeah. in the documentary, like, you know, Jack Black doing his little tenacious D singing version of the Mando theme was funny. But mm-hmm. um, I other takeaways, um, I do like that they gave a bit of a spotlight to Brendan Wayne and Latif Crowder. Um, I thought that was very cool. So people could understand, oh, this guy does this and this guy does this. Uh, so I thought that was awesome. Um, seeing more of the crew, uh, because you know, fans fawn over seeing IG 12 with Yo- uh, baby Yoda or Grogu with the squ- squeezing the fruit, and then you realize it's you know, Steve or Dennis were operating it's that four machine. dudes, and yeah, and he gets an opportunity IG. to talk about it, yeah. yeah. And then so three guys cool. said they were doing basically like head hands, right. that's bananas, yeah. Um, and then another thing that I I pay very close attention to John Favreau when he speaks because he has this very casual nature about him when he talks, but I think he is very good at sending direct messages in a metaphoric sort of way. And what stood out to me was him talking about the mythosaur and he knows what's going on. He knows that there's some OG fans who criticize the evolution of the story or you know, what's happening with this? I can't believe you're mm-hmm. bringing Clone Wars into your story. And he goes, yeah, the Mythosaur, that just started as a symbol on Boba Fett's armor. Yeah, he has to and, bring it and, down to baseline. Yeah, And it became something else. And he's like, it's like Mr. Rogers explaining to you colors. And he's like waiting. He's pausing. So people can be like, oh, yeah. And I love he does that in a way to tell people like this has been happening forever. And he does it in a very non-combative, like gentle but clear way. So I always, and I advise people, always pay attention to John Favreau when he speaks. He's very smart. He's obviously a great storyteller and he's very deliberate, even sometimes when it seems casual. Uh, maybe not, you know, if he's making a sandwich on a TV show, maybe not so much, but uh, he's serious about that sandwich. Mm-hmm. But the other thing, the Phil Tippett stuff, the fact that John Favreau is like, you, we got to get this guy. This is the guy who did the Rancor. And he's like nerding out. And he's like, this guy did this. And he's the aesthetic of Star Wars. And we made it all dirty and grimy. And the fact that they got the legend, Phil Tippett, to be involved uh, for someone who seems a bit like I'm all set with Star Wars. Like when he does uh, Q&As and stuff, he's like, ask me anything, but not Star Wars. You know, <laughs> uh, he, he they got him in. And that just shows the fans that these guys are. But at the same time, respecting know the ogs who made them as the creators fall in love with the franchise in the first place you know you picture john favreau as you know a 14 year old or whatever like having the rancor like on his shelf in his bedroom or something and they they got the guy who made it to come back and do some stuff for this show and i i think that's really special and overall i just think this show is treated with a lot of care i liked dave floney joking about how Favreau's like, yeah, we got to do a baby Yoda. And he's like, what do you mean we got to do a baby Yoda? Oh, yeah, that made me laugh when he was like, like, I have to talk to George. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, that's a really bad idea. That's George's favorite character. And he's like, no, 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 it'll be fine. We're going to do that. And I just love how Filoni was like, like the nervous, like when your brother breaks something and and he's like, well, when dad gets home, like, 
oh this is gonna be bad uh i love that that cat that, that was that, that was have. a good moment where he's just yeah. like that's george's favorite i was like no 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 i, mean, I have to be there for this right. i was picturing dave filoni being like uh oh an opportunity to work with john favreau on a live action show yeah i'll take that and then like day one john favreau walking in like we're bringing jar jar back you know yeah. <laughs> whatever and he's like i don't know about this I did, like that that yeah, I did love that on the best part. Yeah, I did love that on the best cool. part. That too. was cool, for sure. I didn't feel like we learned anything that. more than we didn't already know, but because yeah. because they had already kind of talked a lot about his return and why it was important the before, importance, you know. Yeah, the importance of that in this behind-the-scenes gallery is if you have people, like maybe there's people who still, you know, hate Jar Jar and they can't let that go and, you know, whatever. That's their prerogative. That's their opinion. If you hear other people that you do respect talking about this guy as an actor and a performer, it helps people separate him further from just that character. So you could say like, I didn't like Jar Jar. This Ahmed Best guy is unbelievably talented. And I hear John Favreau saying this. I hear Dave Filoni saying this, like, I hear Carl Weathers saying this, like there's something to this. That's like, I, now I can see. And that goes back to me, you know, with Favreau, like he is very good at not convincing people of things, but telling people how he truly feels about them without trying to force it on you while still delivering the message very succinctly and directly. And uh, I, I really admire that. But my last point is, I don't think we need seven episodes of this. I think that was just enough to get an idea of how they made this. And again, mm -hmm. they, they could have not done it. So I'm glad that we got it because we did mm -hmm. get a little behind the scenes. Like it's not. Empire and we haven't gotten Andor. Dreams. We haven't gotten it's anything not... for Andor. So. Right. And it, yeah, yeah, it's not Empire of Dreams. It's not even Light and Magic, but it's a nice little extra thing so that we can talk about it and maybe understand some choices that were made. Would I have liked them to explain what happened with Tamara Morrison? Yep. Would I have liked to have seen Pedro? Of course. And. Uh, they did gloss over the return of how. Mando and, and Grogu were together again. They gloss over yeah, that yeah, really yeah. quick. But I did yeah. love how two things, two things and then one thing that shocked me. Two things. One, how they said that uh, Dave Filoni had said, and I think it was Carl Weathers and Rick as well had chimed in, that uh, John Favreau picks the best moments to have Grogu be the star. Like he is... The moments that they focus on Grogu are important because it brings back the audience to this is an innocent child that has compassion and love and wants to support everybody and is trying to do the right thing. Because I think a lot of criticisms we got for season two and three is like people are like too much, too much Grogu, too much Baby Yoda. And here's Sean Favreau being like, no, there's plenty. And I mm -hmm. picked it and I want it there. Uh, so the that, other that Go well, ahead. really quick to, to stem off of that is when he mentions that. It was in correlation to something else that I was going to mention that I liked yeah. about this. And that mm -hmm. was the fact that they addressed that they have this show with the character who's wearing a helmet the entire time and mm -hmm. how mm -hmm. they've that was like a big question mark. And John Favreau being like, no, man, the spirit of Star Wars is there because like you had Darth Vader wear this helmet for three movies. And did that diminish his character? Was he not able to em yeah. mode? what what needed to be on screen to make that character who I he agree. was and have all that so i as someone who has sort of been on the stance of like it's not that i'm not a pedro fan it's just i don't feel like we need to see the character and i like the idea that we have a character who doesn't remove his helmet i'm cool with that it was nice to see them address that and because of that in turn your point 
John Favreau says, that's why we need Grogu. We have a character mm -hmm. that doesn't have his helmet on. So the human connection is made through this other character. And this is why when we get A, we need B to come in there and sort of make it human and make it real again. That character is very important. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing that stuck out to me was uh, basically the whole segment about Carl Weathers and how he works and how he loves being a part of the crew and how it means so much to him. And the one thing that stuck out to me was when he was like, every day I come to work and I go, what am I going to learn today? Like, who am that's I going to learn cool. from? Because I feel like that's such a genuine mm -hmm. message to everyone to like take a step back sometimes and just look at life in a general sense of like taking something good out of everything. And I yeah. really liked that because oftentimes, it's right, and to learn. it's never too late for anything. And I think oftentimes we've been kind of trained to think after a certain point, you have nothing else to give or like you're in your old set ways and there's nothing you can mm -hmm. change to get to what your dreams are and your aspirations are. And he's telling you like, no, here I am doing it every day. And every day I'm learning something new and I'm constantly evolving and changing. Loved that. Um, and then the one thing that shocked me, Gorian Shard is practical. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We knew that. We told you that. I know. Yeah. I didn't think he was practical. I forgot. I forgot. Yeah. And when I saw I, it, I was yeah. like, because I remember we had a discussion about it months ago where I was like, is he though? It looks kind of CG. He's practical. Really yeah. caught yeah. me off guard. And I that was that was one of the things that I liked about the character. I was like, I can't believe they pulled it off. That my big guy and my mouth is moving and the yeah. way it all yeah. worked together. I was like, that's freaking cool. Um, and then your response was like, I think he's kind of CG. And I was like, I, I think you, you should go back and take a look because you'll probably appreciate him a little bit more when you see. Yeah. I still don't that, like that character, but I mean, that's fair. But, but like, you could probably good. respect the art of yes. the how yes, they do yes, the yes, puppetry yes. and everything. Yeah. So they didn't um, talk about Zeb. Someone was people are chatting in the, the oh, that's chat right point. now. They didn't mention Zeb at all. The process of Zeb, how they did Zeb and how and this maybe connects to future. Michelle things. made Although a good I point. She goes, maybe it'll be in the Ahsoka behind the scenes. I'm like, yeah, probably. Yeah, some yeah. of these characters have been evolving and and we've been seeing them like, yeah, he was wearing an Ahsoka sweatshirt too, uh, Filoni, I noticed like he was wearing his Ahsoka crew stuff. Shocker. Kind of cool. I know, but I'm just saying it <laughs> wasn't man. You go into his stuff. closet. It's just all that. That's the yeah, one yeah. thing that's in his closet, like mm -hmm. Doug yeah. on same outfit. <laughs> um. All right, well, we got one last story to talk about before we're going to move into uh, the resistance transmission. So stick around for those because they are fun this week. Um, but one other story is that speaking of Ahsoka, uh, they have uh, alluded to that there's going to be more Ahsoka footage possibly coming this weekend as part of 2020's Essence Festival of Culture in New Orleans. Um, that was part of the Walt Disney dot com the disney corporation putting out that press release about what's coming up so things that you need to look forward to so i don't think there's a whole lot we can talk about john do you have any thoughts on the possibility of an ahsoka trailer coming this weekend potentially um yeah i mean i know there's always the i don't know much about this um, you ever seen girls trip girls trip because this is where they go on girls trip the movie girls trip oh i i I have bought it. I just haven't watched it yet. It's yeah. so good. It's so funny. It's sitting right next to Fallen Order. Right <laughs> and next Tron to Legacy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Tron 3. I have an early uh, copy of Tron 3 I'm very excited about. Um, <laughs> so the special... Spe I have a lot of Troning to do. Um, the special look at Ahsoka. That would make sense because we're entering July. We're, you know, six, seven weeks away from Ahsoka. 
And I think we're a few months removed from, you know, the celebration and that trailer. Uh, I think it would make sense. To get coming. Yeah. So I don't know how they operate with this in terms of like, is this going to be one of those things where only people who are there see it? Like we've seen happen with Obi-Wan in the past. Um, but I, I think it would make a lot of sense. And I think it'd be cool because if you're able to have a clip and they already do, uh, it would be shooting themselves in the foot to not bring, make that uh, presentable to the public, uh, especially with what's going on with Disney and Disney Plus. Like you want to get people to watch your shows. And I think if they have footage, uh, get it out there for people to see so people can talk about it. Maybe put something, you know, an extra thing in there to make people go like, oh, like that. So you get the online buzz. I think we will get something. I don't know if it's when this drops, but maybe next week after um, we hear rumblings about it from people tweeting about being at this thing, they'll put mm-hmm. something out that's similar to it, but maybe a little different so that the people that were there can be like, like celebration. Be like, oh, I saw. Right. Or they'll put it out Monday. Good morning, America. After I they played bronze it eyeballs like we did at celebration. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. They're red. Um, you know, so I think we'll see something hopefully. Yeah. All right. Lacey, any thoughts on that or should we move on? I don't really have anything. I don't really have any thoughts, but if you haven't seen Girls Trip, you should go watch it. It's really hilarious. Is it the sequel Mm -hmm. to Road Trip? No. No. It's got uh, Regina, I think her name is. She's like the main. No. From Scary Movie. She's like the character that goes to like the movie theater with like chicken. Oh, for Regina George, it would be Mean Girls Trip. I'm sorry. That's my mistake. You're the worst. Okay. <laughs> it's super funny, though. Definitely go watch it. It's pretty, pretty. Hilarious. Oh, Regina Hall. Yeah. Regina Hall. Thank yeah. you. All right. Well, if it's if it's where I can watch it without paying for it, I will see it. Don't you didn't you say you own it? <laughs> he said you own you it. think I actually bought that movie. You said you bought it. You said you bought it. So we're just taking you for your word. <laughs> You're like, I own it, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I own I Girls like, Trip right. on VHS. Uh, it's a great movie. So. It's not a great movie. VHS. It just came out like five years ago. It's a great movie. Yes. It's hilarious. All right. It's a good movie. A great movie. Oh, it has yeah, <laughs> 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. A six niner. John on... assumes that I have terrible taste in movies, but what he doesn't know is I don't. <laughs> you do. have. I mean, you do have some bad taste in movies. Let's be honest. I don't. All that hallmark nonsense we keep talking about. You can like things and still have a good taste in movies. Resistance transmission. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> do you want to oh, go to do it? Do you want me to go? Okay. All right. All right, guys. It's time for <laughs> resistance transmissions. <laughs> All right. So for those of you just chiming in or joining, uh, resistance transmissions is where John puts up a crazy, wacky situation on Twitter and you guys give your answers and I don't know what the scenario is. Um, I don't know what the scenario is, but I have seen what the photo is because John oh. shared it in our group chat like a fool. Um, <laughs> but I don't know what you guys answered. So we go in this fresh. All right. So the situation is caption this photo. I'll pull it up right here. Yep. Of a smiling Harrison Ford and George Lucas from the Indiana Jones premiere. Uh, and Harrison is pointing at George very happily, and George looks miserable. Which I think George, <laughs> which I think George is just chilling. Like I think that's just his resting face, and people yeah. assume. I don't think he smiles in photos very often. 
No, because someone else posted, I forget who it was, posted a bunch of photos of George with people and everyone was like, it's George. And every picture George is like this. <laughs> so I just think that's just him. So yeah. if you were George, all picture, right. Though, it's like Harrison Ford is like the fan. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's sweet. It's a sweet photo for our audio listeners. Uh, you know, if you want to check in the, the YouTube version just to see the photo or you'll, you may have seen the photo, but uh, it's cool. I do think that part of this, though, there's an underlying mockery from Harrison Ford that he probably knows George hates this. So he's like, <laughs> it's this guy. And George is like, come on, Harrison. Because like Harrison knows George doesn't like this kind of thing. Yeah. So Harrison's poking fun at it. That's how way, I took the photo. I Have you noticed that Harrison Ford seems to be way more like it's hitting him now? than he used to be like he he's been welling up in some interviews and like being more earnest and serious about his feelings and stuff and but he's also still being funny but it like he he's not doing the i, I think it's indiana stuff. jones i think it's indiana yeah jones. but he's still like even when people talk about like thanks for everything he's like really getting emotional about it but i do I love think... the clip that was going around where someone was like if you had the dial, where would you go? And he goes, home. Oh, yeah, I sent that. I posted And he that. just stares at the guy for a second. And the it was guy IGN. Doesn't react, so he goes, yeah. I haven't been home for a long time. I, I that literally sums, lap. That sums up my sense of humor. That clip of him being like, home. And then and he just holding stops. it. <laughs> holding it the whole time. And the guy's just like, uh. Because you know that like the guy's sitting there like, uh. <laughs> so then yeah. he picks up on the nervous and he's just like, I haven't been home in a while. Like, cause you he know, I was... would laugh. The guy was like, Oh, <laughs> I yeah. did not laugh. Sorry. Go ahead, James. I was just that he, you know, he, um, I'm trying to think of the order here, but you know, he's revisited Han Solo and, and said goodbye to that character. He revisited Blade Runner and, you know, said goodbye to that character, uh, you know, and like in all these roles, he's playing like, Oh, my character when I was so young has now grown old and see what I've become. And now he's returning to Indiana Jones. It's like, even if it, even if you're, I think you're right. It's the fact that it's Indiana Jones. I think there's also part of that. That's like, I've been doing a lot of these movies lately and this is really where I'm at in my life. You know, like I'm not the younger version anymore. I am the older person and I'm borderline on the end of retiring and not being able to be in these movies anymore. So I think it, I think, I don't know. It's just, this might've been one of the more active movies at his age that he's been in. And it could have hit him a little bit more real that like, man, I pulled off Blade Runner, still got it. But like Indiana Jones, like, that was tough. You know, I made it happen, but like it might've been tough on him. Mm-hmm. Well, so I don't know. Yeah. It's also important to remember. I think I said this last time is like, I think he only did force awakens because they said he'd do an, they do another Indiana Jones with him. Like that was the agreement. So mm-hmm. clearly Indiana Jones means more to him than probably any role for him. So this is like saying goodbye to that character is like, it's different than when you say goodbye, but yeah. like, you don't know what comes next or he thought he was saying goodbye last time. And now this time he's back again. It's like kind of bittersweet. But anyway, that being said, that's the situation. So first up is Lonely Banshee at Imer Wild, who said, look, alive, George. Okay, close enough. <laughs> look alive, George. Oh, look alive, George. <laughs> look right? alive. George. George. <laughs> Look oh alive, my. George. <laughs> I slaughtered that lonely banshee, and I'm so sorry. 
Uh, <laughs> but yeah, look alive. Yeah. You know what's sad though? I did see a video of George getting like pushed into some venue recently with paparazzi and fans and he was looking very lost and i felt bad the security guard was like fighting people out of the way people need we to be more trip on the carpet people need to be more gracious with celebrities in general and like people that have a following because i feel like we saw it with mark hamill a month ago or so when they hit him in the face like chill out let's calm yeah i agreed human beings all right next is gary 24 fan at gary 24 fan what up gary he said and this guy thought i knew how to install an office door <laughs> only now. famously oh only <clears throat> i am on a roll tonight and this guy thought i only knew how to install an office door <laughs> that's true harrison was a carpenter fun fact uh sean sanarud at rude cold how rude sean he said harrison make solo two happen george nope <laughs> i'm kind of offended i think it would be the other way around <laughs> yeah, i don't think so true. harrison was all about alden hey but yeah like, he liked alden but george i'm um, solo was george lucas's idea that's probably the only star wars movie he likes since he sold it yeah we'll see i don't know actually we won't see because we'll probably never get the answer we'll uh aaron know. gould at i am aaron gould what up aaron said this this guy is so wasted heh i may be wasted a little as well want to get some nachos george <laughs> I'd love some nachos right now. <clears throat> you guys were there. Was Harrison hammered? He he was not hammered, but he the dude can cut a rug. I saw him. I saw him dancing. Nice. He yeah. He had a definite like he was Harrison as he moved around, but every once in a while he would come alive and do something funny yeah. and quirky, and then like would sort of return back to his self. But it, it, it was strange to see him. I mean, this picture is evidence. Like he would look like Harrison Ford and then be like, George Lucas, ah, you know, yeah. and then just sort of like, we got telling you, like, I think he made fun of George in this photo and now <laughs> busting his chops. Yeah. So yeah. we got to see him just sort of hanging out with his friends and there weren't cameras around and there weren't like paparazzi and there weren't interviews. And he was just like making his friends laugh. Oh, yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of the nice moments when there's nobody around. Uh, RMD Collective at RMD C O L L C T V E mm. said, "Boy, if you don't get your finger out of my goddamn face, <laughs> <laughs> very aggressive." <laughs> All right, next is Daniel. What up, Daniel Alvarado? Ooh, Alvarado, love that name. At De Berries too. Han about George. He shot first. That's <laughs> true. McClunky. Uh, and then Chris at Chris Bretel said, Top men. Nice. <laughs> Top men. Top men. men. And we do have a super chat that just popped in. So I'm going to read that at the end. First of all, thank you everybody for your answers. If you want to be part of the resistance mm-hmm. transmissions, Make sure to follow us on Twitter and or all social media channels at TRB Podcast. We're on everything now, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, all of those. Yeah. Um, so we do have a super chat. So Andrew Staley, what up, Andrew? How's it going, man? Miss you, bud. He said, just got home from Indy 5. Ooh. Loved it. Oh. Have a good Andrew weekend. Knows. Thanks, as Andrew knows now. All right, buddy. Knows what? What does he know? He knows like the plot. He's seen like, it. When you're, when you're oh. out and then you're yeah, in. Yeah, I haven't seen you know? it. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, happy for you, like you, Andrew. Andrew, you're the best. All right. And before we go, I do want to say 
Happy Canada Day to all our neighbors in Canada. Happy Canada Day. Which is Saturday. All right. Happy Back early you, Canada Day. Is it called Canada Day? That's what it's called? It is Canada Day. Yep. Wow. What a clever name. I run um, social for some Canadian channels. <laughs> so. Nice. All right. Uh, yeah, thank you to everybody for listening and watching and being a part of TRB. It means the world to us. Uh, we hope you're enjoying the podcast as we march closer to Ahsoka and have reviewed Indy and talking about all the upcoming movies. Uh, but it's really all about having a good time talking Star Wars and the three of us do that. And we wouldn't have as much fun without all of you being a part of the TRB community. So thank you. Uh, and uh, spread the word. If you know people who like Star Wars, tell them about the Resistance broadcast. All they have to do is look us up on a podcast app and there we are. Uh, and of course, our YouTube channel. Uh, but a special thank you to our patrons at patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. I brought it up at the top. That's uh, another great way to support what we do. And also you get uh, access, depending on what tier you join, to our Discord server, extra bonus episodes. If you are a patron right now, we're going to be heading very shortly, uh, immediately actually, to our live Q&A on Patreon. So hop over there if you're not tired of us. Uh, but a special thank you to our generals and spice runners on Patreon. Carmelo, John Reese, Jetta Rosewater, Frank Grande, Darth Hurricane, Nick Kratz, Christian Morales, Chris Morales, Brian Smith, Matt Chitty, Danny Micromori, Matt Heath, Brendan McLaughlin, Count Pepto, Sneaky Zebra, Aaron Ellington, who's going to be up on the pod race on Monday, Micah Harrison, Colin Cormier, Jolton Jedi DiMaggio, and Diana, and our spice runners, David Probus, Neil Shaw, Kendall Gellner, Dave Hornack, Thomas Hennessy, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, Michael Fry, and the Fort Worthian. Thank you all and all of our patrons and everyone who just enjoys what we do here at TRB. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Johnny Hoey and talking about non-Star Wars movies on my movie pod, just like the movies. James? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, both at Myra Trunks. And Lacey? People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lacey Gillerin and on TikTok at It's Lacey Gillerin. And then coming up sometime this week, can't give you a definite day now. But sometime this week, I am reading Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade oh, by yes. Delilah Dawson. And I will be doing a review for that here on the YouTube channel um, and probably giving some type of update on the episode about what I thought. But yeah, so good. far, it is interessante. So <laughs> I'll tell you that. All right. <laughs> um, and yeah, so tomorrow, uh, Friday, the podcast, this episode will hit podcast feeds. And then our spoiler review of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, around one o'clock east on the youtube channel and podcast apps as well and of course another episode monday morning so subscribe and make sure you're caught up but also everyone just have a wonderful weekend we hope you're doing well and we'll see you next time right here on trb we'll see you around kids <laughs>